0: From the feature staff at the Columbus Dispatch, this is Life in the 614. Hi, and welcome to Life in the 614, the official lifestyle podcast of the Features Department at the Columbus Dispatch. Coming to you every Thursday. If it sounds like fun, we'll be talking about it. I'm Ryan Smith, Features Editor at the Dispatch, and today I'm joined by my colleague, Dispatch movie writer Terry Meixle. Easter weekend is coming up, and there's all sorts of fun stuff going on for the kiddos. At Marmon Valley in Zanesville, there will be pony rides and a petting zoo on Easter with three egg hunts divided by age starting at 10 a.m. For adults participating in this might be a bit more fun after a glass of wine. They might want to check out the egg search taking place at Camelot Cellars on Oak Street beginning at 11.30am Saturday. But why should humans have all the fun? At the Columbus Zoo and Aquarium's Eggs, Paws, and Claws event, there will be a chance to see zoo animals search for their own Easter treats. There's a much more serious side to things happening in the coming week as well, though, even though it involves comedian Daryl Hammond, famous for his time on Saturday Night Live. Hammond is the subject of Cracked Up, a documentary that chronicles the mental injury he suffered as the result of abuse when he was a child. Hammond and director Michelle Esrick will attend a screening of the movie on Wednesday at Ohio State University's Mershon Auditorium. The screening is part of the Faces of Resilience fundraiser to benefit the Ohio State Harding Hospital's Stress, Trauma, and Resilience Program and the OSU Department of Psychiatry and Behavior Health. Daryl and Michelle were kind enough to speak with us before the event. I'll let Terry take things from here.
1: Daryl and Michelle, thanks so much for joining us. So I've read that you two knew each other before making this movie. Is that true?
2: Yes, we have known each other for over 20 years.
1: Wow. So where did the idea for the movie originate?
2: Well, Daryl was writing his play, Mm -hmm. and... He was telling me that one day I was over uh, at his apartment and he was saying he, you know, didn't feel like doing the typing. So I said, how about if I type and you can just tell the stories? Mm -hmm. And so I was just trying to help out my friend. So I sat at the computer and he started to tell stories because he had a deadline. He had to finish the scene for the play. Mm -hmm. And I heard him say that his doctor told him not to call what he had a mental illness, but to call call it a mental injury, right. and that really blew my mind and made me feel so much compassion for myself, for Daryl, and I wanted to let everybody know that this is a biological issue, that uh, childhood trauma creates ill health downstream because it, you know, rearranges the architecture of the developing brain in a child, and so essentially it creates a mental injury, creates a mental injury that, you know, we can work on and and there is recovery there, but I thought it would lift the shame and the stigma from beating ourselves up for just being kind of, you know,
3: emotionally effed up people that are struggling.
1: So, Daryl, why was it important to you to make this movie?
3: I think Michelle convinced me that it could help people and it looks like that's exactly what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. I couldn't see any reason why not to, I think that, you know, I mean, I know I've made some contributions to planet earth as a comedian but i was became sort of obsessed with how much my father had done for during his lifetime um, as a soldier in World War II and then in Korea. And felt like the idea of helping someone just by sharing my story—you know is sort of irresistible. Why wouldn't I?
2: Mm-hmm. If I sure. could just add to that, that you know, we have had our, our film festival premiere, and during that time, Daryl and I did a lot of press, and we did an NPR interview. Uh, and when I got back to my office, my inbox for the film was inundated with thank you letters and one woman emailed that she was about to kill herself and she happened to have NPR on and she heard Daryl and I on the radio telling our stories and talking about the film and what childhood trauma really can the effects it can have on somebody's life and she said she decided not to kill herself because she heard us and you know they say if you save one life it can make a path for a million more but I, I know there's so many people that are suffering and they don't Understand what they're suffering from They don't understand they're suffering from the Effects of childhood trauma and You know we really have to get to the Root cause and she thanked us and She said she was going to redirect her therapist To actually deal with trauma And you know so it You know it really is making An impact and Daryl's yeah, you know, I've never seen anybody be so honest and so vulnerable and so real to let people know, you know, what the effects really are.
1: Mm-hmm. In the movie, and forgive me if I mispronounce the name, but Dr. Nabil Cotby seems to be the man who helped you the most. Is it fair to say, Daryl, that he rescued you?
3: Not unfair, I mean that's a pretty good characterization, but I mean he might he might object to that the wording, but this was end of the road time, you know this was a lockdown, this was next step permanent hospitalization like this had been decades trying to figure out what was wrong with me, and all these people tried their best and they couldn't and then rescue' not a bad word, I wouldn't object to it. Mm-hmm. He just sort of came along at a time. It's one of those times when you look back on your life and went, maybe there is a weird symmetry to things, because that was the very, very, very end. And the first time I'd ever cut myself that something closer to suicidal mm-hmm than I, I had really ever been. I mean, it was that out of control, and I think that rescue might be the word. I certainly wouldn't object to it. What, what do you think, Michelle?
2: Well, I think that, you know, when Dr. Coffee Daryl had been misdiagnosed for over 40 years with every mental illness under the sun and even a seasonal disorder, and nobody was really getting to the root cause, and it was Dr. Coffee that told him, you are this way because of something that happened to you, mm-hmm. and that what you have is trauma you have you have complex ptsd from the trauma you suffered as a child and that yeah, that was
3: a relief for daryl i know i don't mean that's it's safe to say that was the only hallelujah chorus moment of my, my life right you know
1: so also in the movie uh you say that the worst crime for victims is being expected not to tell what happened to them why is that yeah true? i
3: mean well i'm speaking from my own perspective you could ask other victims what they think hmm Worse than the crime itself is the years and years and years of being expected not to tell and sort of enter into the basic contract between perpetrator and victim, which is I'll kill you if you tell Mm -hmm. as it is, you're just a cripple for life. So but, you live with that.
2: Right. And also, you know, the the definition, one of the best definitions I got from Dr. Bethel Vanderkolk, who is a trauma expert, and he's in, in the movie. And when I asked him, what is the definition of trauma, I thought he was going to say all the big stuff, you know, being physically abused, being sexually abused. And he said, when a child is not seen or known. That is the trauma. And, you know, we just did another interview with a great trauma doctor, uh, Dr. Jacob Hom. And he said it's the little moments, it's the moment-to-moment hurt that creates the trauma.
3: And I think I've had sort of a a chagrin, if that's the right word, a, a little bit of a resentment over the way people were approaching me as if mental illness was an airborne virus, as if this had come from nowhere and a bunch of drugs would fix it. But, you know, that's the way it went for a long time He's got a beta there's a, uh, He just needs A beta blocker mm-hmm. You know There's an enzyme That's out of control That this medication Will control And of course You go through that For years and years And years And you know It's not true You know it's not right And you know that In your heart of hearts One day you're going to Have to come to grips With the idea That this happened to you it happened to you for a long time and it happened at the hands of people that were supposed to be protecting you
2: right very well put and and I think you know uh, knowing that this affects us affects our brain as children and creates ill health downstream, uh, you know, to raises the risk for addiction, for suicide, for illnesses, cancer, heart disease,
3: pulmonary disease, and I want to interject, sorry, because we were with a world-class doctor last week who said there are no instances in which alcoholics don't suffer trauma. Mm-hmm. There are no, there are, there is no record now. There's no way for them to understand that the trauma wasn't involved in the, in the life of an alcoholic or an addict. So it's gigantic. Right? Yeah, it's gigantic.
2: And yet, at the same time, the word trauma, a medical student will not hear the word trauma one time in their schooling. And that's something that we really have to change. And we have to, you know, people who have addictions, whether it's alcohol, drugs, opioids, television, cigarettes, food, gambling, whatever we are trying to do to relieve ourselves of the pain, Mm -hmm. that's what we have to get to. Otherwise, we're treating the smoke. We're just treating the smoke and not the fire.
1: Mm -hmm. Daryl the movie you say something happened to me I'm not ashamed of it that stood out to me I thought there's a lot of harder wisdom in those nine words is that an accurate thought
3: Oh, yeah, because, you know, I mean, i spent most of my life being eyed with suspicion. You know, people glancing at me out of the side of their eyes like, he's really responsible. he's the one that's doing this. He doesn't have to act like this if he doesn't want to. Not understanding that I wouldn't have chosen this life, as if I would have chosen this life. Right. I think they see an unhappy child and view the child as expressing disapproval of his surroundings because he's consistently depressed. hmm of them, disapproval of their home and on some level that's right but I don't know that parents always want to take responsibility for it and really sort of own up to the idea that oh yeah, um, I'm part of this because I either hid it or I did it. I either allowed it, I hid it, or I did it. Whatever it was, at best it was bad parenting. At best it was negligent parenting. But on other days, it's a criminal offense. It's criminal child abuse, you know. I don't think you could book someone on child abuse charges till I think about 1965, you know. I believe that's the case, but maybe I have that wrong. Yeah, eyed with suspicion. Like, what's wrong with that boy and why do we hate him for it?
2: Now, if the child is acting out, let's say, I mean, you know, a child can experience trauma from witnessing domestic violence or a horrific divorce or their parent being mentally ill or growing up with parents who have alcoholism or drug addiction and or neglect. That can create trauma, too. So let's say that child goes to school and that child can't focus. So that child will get in trouble. That child will get shamed. That child will get said, what's wrong with you instead of mm-hmm. what happened to you? And that's what we have to try. To you know, get our community to understand that when somebody is acting out, we have to say what is happening, not what's wrong with you, Mm -hmm. but what happened to you.
3: Yeah, it's like you're viewed as someone with a bad attitude that's a bad kid, he has a bad attitude, he doesn't wish to participate, you know rough going right
2: i'd say that you know the children that are being diagnosed with adhd is just so rampant and most of those children do not have adhd that are getting put on all these medications they have trauma
1: all right so i'm wondering what impact this had on your career i read where eric idol of monty python said life is a comedy when watching and a tragedy while experiencing if you hadn't experienced what you did would you be the comic that you are today
3: i don't know because the idea that because someone's up, makes them funny that means every that person would be funny. having said that, it's still a valid question, and I don't completely know the answer to it.
1: Mm-hmm. So both of you went to Washington last fall to help to get the Support for Parents and Communities Act, which helps people with substance abuse disorders passed and signed into law. Given your background with mental injury and substance abuse, how was that experience?
2: Yes, we went to Washington to support the members of Congress that were working to get provisions for trauma-informed care into the Opioid Treatment Act, which did get signed into law after our visit, and which basically means that people who are going for treatment for opioids and also other substance abuses, they will get to address the trauma because we are understanding now from research that trauma is the root cause
3: of addiction.
1: So, is mental injury education now your life's passion? I haven't thought
3: of myself like that, but it's not a bad way to spend an afternoon. And you know, on a a really selfish level, it makes you feel like if your story could help someone, that maybe all this stuff didn't happen for no reason. You know, because that would be the worst feeling in the world for me, like, oh, all these things that happened, these people got away with it. was crippled. Had to spend a million dollars on therapy, and for nothing. Nobody likes to think their life is for nothing. Uh, and I think the idea that maybe sharing this story uh, is appealing to me, on, a, on a, maybe on a selfish level. Mm-hmm.
2: I think that we both are, are passionate about letting people know that trauma creates a mental injury and that it doesn't create a mental illness as much as a mental injury. I think like, that is the basis of the movie. Really, when I say that to people, they say well, everybody gets it You know, when you put it that way. It's, oh, you know.
1: Right. Well, Daryl, Michelle, thank you so much for calling in. Thank you for joining us.
0: Thank you so much for having me and Michelle.
2: Thank you very much.
0: And thank you all for listening to Life in the 614. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Google Play Music. We hope to have you back next week. Until then, keep enjoying your own life in the 614.